Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. The Week 17 review episode of the Bears Talk Underground is a victory episode. How about that? And it is brought to you by... Blue Chew. Guys, remember the days when you were always ready to go? Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. BlueChew.com, that's blue like the color blue, brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. And they are endorsed by none other than good old JR, Jim Ross, who posted a picture of him receiving his shipment of Blue Chew on Christmas Eve. Thank you for that, JR. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they are chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever the opportunity arises. If you could benefit from extra function and more confidence where it counts. Uh, just picturing, actually, I'm not picturing. Don't, don't finish that sentence. Blue Chew is the fast and easy way to enhance your performance. Blue Chew is prescribed online and ships direct to your door in a discreet package so no in-person doctor visits, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness like seeing one of your childhood heroes (laughs) endorsing boner pills. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for all of our listeners Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use promo code ARMCHAIR. Just pay $5 shipping like good old JR did. Again, that's B-L-U-E-Chew.com, promo code ARMCHAIR to try it free. BlueChew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring the podcast. So here we are, guys. Last regular season episode of 2019. There will be one more show. Uh, for 2019, although it will come as the first episode in 2020 when we do the year in review uh, episode, uh, and I'm working on dis- working on who my guests are going to be. Pretty sure we'll be able to lasso Lauren Cox in. Maybe see if we can get anybody else who wants to jump in on it uh, as well. But before we get to talking about what was in 2019, the first thing we got to do is talk about what was this past Sunday. Between the Bears and the Vikings, when the Bears played the Vikings JV team and struggled to come away with a victory. It's the Week 17 review episode of the Bears Talk Underground. Let's get to it. I said it on the preview episode, and I meant it. And now that it's actually come, I'm relieved. And what I said was, I don't want football season to be over with, but I am definitely ready for the Bears to be done. And now that the Bears are actually done, I am relieved that it's over, that we don't have to, you know, watch any more Thursdays or Mondays, Saturdays or Sunday games with our beloved coming away disappointed, confounded, confused, annoyed, frustrated, or just downright pissed off. I mean, I set a record this year for the amount of exp- <laughs> the amount of explicit episodes I put out this season and I am not happy about it you know I would much rather be the fun loving guy that I was winning 12 games last year and and going on about the progress and domination of our defense and just how dynamic we were a year ago only to be a shell of our former selves this year especially on offense and sometimes on defense too so uh what a mess Anyway, what's going on, everybody? Larity back, the Week 17 review episode of the Bears Talk Underground. And, um, you know, we won. So we finished 500. So Matt Nagy, in two years as head coach of our beloved, is 20 and 12 as uh, head coach, 20 and 13 if you want to count the wild card loss. 
or 20 and 12 and 0 and 1 in the playoffs. But um, you know, he's won 20 games in two seasons where in John Fox's first two years he was 9 and 23 and Mark Tressman in his only two years was 13 and 19. So, a significant upgrade from where we once were even though I think everyone would agree that this season has felt like a disaster. Uh, pretty much from the opening opening game. But, I mean, we just never really seemed to recover from that performance. You know, we we kind of struggled to, uh, to, 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 to be who we once were in 2018, especially on the offensive side. Defense, thought we were going to be even better than we were a year ago with the way that we just completely dominated the Packers week one. But uh, that did not turn out to be the case uh, either. But, um, you know, we start with a... We start with a loss at home against a division opponent, finish on the road with a win over a division opponent. So you can't really argue there. Matt Nagy, 9-3 in two seasons in the NFC North. Unfortunately, all three of those losses are to Green Bay. He's got clean sweeps of Detroit and Minnesota and a 1-3 record against the Packers. We're going to have to fix that uh, going forward, especially if he wants to be the coach beyond uh, 2020. So... Uh, Black Monday took place today. Not as much activity as you'd think. I mean, we 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 know we're already replacing coaches in Carolina uh, and Washington. Those those coaches were let go uh, mid season. Ron Rivera uh, and Jay Gruden uh, were let go. Uh, the only other firing today was uh, Pat Shermer, which uh, could be good news for us uh, because number one, if you guys remember. Um, all due respect to Matt Nagy, Pat Shermer was the guy that I wanted after he took the turd that was, um, God, I can't remember, Sam Bradford, after he took the turd that was Sam Bradford and made him into a pro-level quarterback in Minnesota and then made Case Keenum look like a goddamn superstar uh, in 2017. It was like, imagine what he could do with someone who's got some actual uh, arm talent and things like that, or so we were led to believe we thought that the uh, offense was holding Mitch back in 2017, but this season would kind of make you think the opposite, wouldn't it? But nonetheless, if we're going to stick with Mitch in 2020, and we most likely are, um, I think Pat Shermer would be a great addition as an offensive coordinator, as a quarterback coach. Maybe let go of Dave Ragone uh, as well. He's the only uh, holdover from the John Fox era. And uh, I think maybe it would be t- a good idea to uh, completely put a stamp on that and uh, bring Shermer in, maybe sh- shake up the offense a little bit, hand over the play-calling duties to Shermer, let him coach Mitch up and see what happens in 2020. Because, uh, yeah. But anyway, that was like the one of the bigger things that happened uh, on Black Monday. Uh, Freddie Kitchens uh, was let go yesterday on Sunday after the game. Uh, fired after one year in, in Cleveland as their head coach. So I think that's, what, five openings so far, and there's still yet to be determined what's going on in Dallas uh, or Jacksonville, places like that. So um, Black Monday wasn't as black as it usually is, uh, but I hear that uh, there could be some more axes to fall uh, as we go through the week. So we'll have to wait and see, including on the Bears coaching staff uh, as well. So I think maybe the year in review episode won't come until next week to see if maybe, um, you know, in the interim, some of those decisions will be made. Maybe we won't find out who we're hiring in their place, but at the very least, maybe uh, that some changes are going to be made. Like maybe Mark Helfrich is gone, Harry Heaston is gone, you know, whatever. Whatever changes are going to be made will be made by the time uh, we talk again. Uh, I would say probably next week, Monday, Sunday, Monday, next week. Uh, is one I was shooting for. I'm reaching out to Lauren Cox now to find out uh, when he might be available uh, to join up with me and and do the the year in review because God knows we'll have plenty. We might even have to break it up into a couple of uh, episodes uh, for all the talking that we're going to do because Lauren and I get long-winded anyway, but um, with all that there is to talk about with this season, we might have to go extra long and just end up breaking it up. So we'll have to see. There's a little teaser for you. But um, nonetheless, the uh, the Bears took the field yesterday in the fa- in the finale, seven and eight, looking to uh, you know a get a sweep of the Vikings, 
and um, close out the year on a positive note and with a 500 record. Uh, the point I was trying to make with Matt Nagy earlier is that uh, by going 500 this season, he doesn't have any losing seasons. He's got the 12-4 and division-winning playoff season and this 8-8 eight and eight non-losing season. So, you know, progress, right? Kind of wish the two were flipped like we went 8-8 eight and eight last year like I thought we might, and we went 12-4 and four this year. That would be much better. But, uh, you know, I'll take 20 and 12 over 9 and 23 any day. So we'll just go with that for now. But um, so um, it was kind of talked about like slowly but surely over the week that Minnesota wasn't going to put anybody of note out on the field against the Bears. Kirk Cousins, Stephon Diggs, um, what's his name? Adam Thielen. There he is anybody on defense or anything like that which basically left the bears with no excuse for losing this game and um well it was kind of frustrating off the bat because you would think that if you put our starters which we played well anyone who was considered a starter at this point because god knows we've had our own injuries and things like that but you know that we put our starters with our top top guys against their second and third stringers who haven't played much, if at all, throughout the season that uh, we might try to break the goddamn scoreboard uh, on Minnesota. But right off the bat, this game had a familiar feel to it. I wasn't happy about it. And it just, it, it actually kind of followed step for step a particular football game right up until the final moments of the game uh, as well, which made me nervous all the way throughout. <coughs> Knee jerk reaction, first quarter, Bears, Vikings, and it was a uh, an interesting uh, first quarter because it went as well as it could have and it was as frustrating as it could have been all at the same time. Uh, first play of scrimmage, from scrimmage, the Vikings hand the ball off to their second string running back, whatever this kid's name is, Booth or Boone or something like that, breaks it for like a 70-yard run, damn near takes the thing to the house, the Bears stop him at the 16-yard line. Very next play, the quarterback pitches it to the running back who never gets a handle on it. Bilal Nichols comes flying in and lands on top of the ball, bare ball. And, and you know, just like that, it went from, like, looking as bad as it could to be like, oh, well, we've just erased that mistake. And the Bears offense charged the ball down the field, and we get into the red zone, stall out, settle for a field goal. Next possession for the Vikings, second or third play, something like that. Uh, throws it to the running back out of the backfield, who turns his head away from the ball. Like, he started to run upfield before he really caught it. He, like, pressed the ball up against his hip, and when he went to bring the ball up into his chest, he tossed it to Kevin Pierre-Lewis, so it goes down as an interception for Kevin Pierre-Lewis. The Bears start with the ball at their own 40 at the Viking 40-yard line. But again, we get the ball into the red zone. We do nothing with it. Settle for a field goal. Now, I know this game doesn't mean anything in the scheme of things, but this feels very much like the Chargers game all over again, where if we'd scored one touchdown out of those other three red zone trips, we would have won the game easily against San Diego. And... You know, the Vikings are playing literally nobody. Adam Thielen, uh, Stephon Diggs, Kirk Cousins, everybody that's anybody is on the sidelines getting ready for wildcard weekend. And the Bears could be missing out on an opportunity uh, to really do something here. So frustrating watching the red zone offense, but everything else has been positive so far. And the Bears have a 6 nothing lead to take it to the second quarter. Still can't get away from calling the Chargers San Diego. This is... I mean, imagine the trouble I'm going to have next year calling the Raiders Vegas, you know. I wonder if I'll struggle with that. But definitely San Diego, San Diego, San They haven't played in San Diego in three years, but I keep calling the San Diego Chargers. Uh, anyway, but that's what it looked like almost right off the bat where we're, we're having no trouble from 20 to 20 moving the football at all. Then we get into the red zone, and all of a sudden it's gross incompetence where we're throwing those stupid dump passes off to the outside where the defense just swarms over there and the, and, and we get nothing. Uh, we're not running the football, and it's just 
we ended up having to settle for field goals when it, it just just had that feeling that you know of the um, one mistake by the defense and this thing is it's a ball game all of a sudden when we're dominating this thing we forced two turnovers on the first two drives and we've only got six points which essentially one score to show for it so it's just and, and like i said they're not playing anybody which means the bears shouldn't have been struggling the to the degree that they were especially in the red zone and that is all the bears did uh in the red zone um and in the second quarter the defense flexing more of its muscle uh holding down uh the offense a great special teams play uh set up the one of the biggest defensive highlights of the uh season but again struggling with the offense settling for field goals left us with a halftime lead that you weren't comfortable with knee-jerk reaction second quarter bears vikings and more more delight mixed in with even more frustration the delight on the defensive side once again and the frustration all coming from the offense man i mean it's just so frustrating watching us try to maneuver the ball down the field to be able to do it between the 20s and then get inside the red zone which the bears did a third time here in the second quarter came away empty-handed uh, and had to settle for another field goal it just all of a sudden the line can't pass protect we're trying to do those stupid ass quick screens instead of just running the football you know we're, we're, we're doing the whole andy reed uh pass or run by passing thing which hasn't worked for the bears at all this year i mean like ever it really just has not been successful for the bears at all anytime we throw those quick uh screens out to the outside there's always a handful of defenders waiting for the bears and we get next to nothing for it I mean, maybe if we're lucky, we can squeeze through the defenders and get a few yards. But more times than not, we're lucky to get back to the original line of scrimmage on those plays. And uh, we just keep running those in the red zone for some reason. I don't understand. Rather than handing it off to Montgomery or or Cohen or whatever, uh, or even Ryan Nall, for Christ's sake, he's still out there. But uh, no, instead we keep doing that. And uh, like I said, the offensive line, all of a sudden it can't pass protect and Mitch is under pressure and, and and everything and then conversely on the defensive side aside from the two big running plays that they gave up they gave up one first play of the game uh to the vikings and then actually just now uh before the half it set up the field goal that ended the first half for minnesota uh the defense has been stellar we actually have a safety uh to our credit which i would actually give most credit to Dion bush who down the punt Inside the one-yard line, the first play from scrimmage after the punt, Nick Witkowski stuffs the running back in the end zone for a safety, makes it 8-3. to three. Our last red zone trip made another Eddie Pinero field goal, which made it 11-3, to three, and then the field goal right at the buzzer in the end of the first half. The score is 11-6. to six. So you know those people that have those uh, that, that box where you, you try to pick what the score is going to be? Whoever had one to six is a rich person right now. That's, you know, got to be a lot of weird scoring to get a one-six combination on those score boxes and whatnot. But uh, anyway, it's we got two quarters left in this thing. Hopefully the Bears will figure it out and get themselves into the end zone. I mean, the third quarter is coming up, and that's what we do. So we'll have to wait and see. But right now the Bears are winning 30 minutes away from a 500 record. <laughs> Just a bunch of eerie similarities from that San Diego. San Diego, God damn it, I did it again. From that Chargers game to this game here against Minnesota. Again, struggling with another red zone trip, having to settle for uh, a field goal. The game being far closer than what you basically what you're seeing on the field. With the way that the Bears dominated from 120 to the next and getting in uh, to the red zone, the way that they were shutting down Minnesota, forcing three tur- or four, two turnovers and a safety, which is basically also another turnover because not only do they have to give us the points, but they give us the ball back uh, as well. It, you know, we got a safety. Let's just call it three turnovers. Uh, you know, we're only giving up field goals, and then our offense is able to do its will 
from one point into the field into the other, but they can't close the deal. And it's 11-6. to six. It should be far, far worse than that. It should be far better than that, I should say. It, you know, should be – we should be at least – 15 to 6, you know, 21 to 6, something uh, like that. Instead, it, where it's a one-score game, and it shouldn't be. And what was even more frustrating was just how difficult we were making it look against the competition that we were playing against. Now, I know that these guys are pros, and they practice and everything like that, but they're also second and third stringers for a reason. And you heard me talking about how all the offensive line all of a sudden can't pass protect. It was very much, I mean, you, you guys heard me talk about it with Chris on the, on the preview episode uh, with Chris Gates with, with how kind of confounding it was a year ago at this time to when we finally cleared the benches and our backups were in the game against Cousins and Thielen and, and Diggs in the final six minutes of that game and Isaiah Irving was teeing off. And, you know, uh, Kylie Fitz was getting in there and, you know, making plays against uh, Cousins. It was just like that's what kind of really kind of dug the knife in was not only did they get dominated by the starters but the second stringers were kicking their ass too and that's what we had to watch pretty much for the whole game on Sunday was we were watching these backups these late round draft choices these undrafted guys these guys that had been picked up off the street and they're just playing today because they're trying to keep their real starters healthy and they're teeing off Leno's getting smoked around the edge and Mitch is getting hit and uh, and all that kind of stuff. I mean, that's what was really frustrating about it. At least when we're talking about the Chargers, we're having trouble uh, scoring points with Joey Bosa uh, on the field, and it's you know Philip Rivers that we're trying to slow down uh, on defense, or you know, with the defense and things like that. There was none none of that uh, on Sunday. Kirk Cousins wasn't playing. Dalvin Cook was was injured. I mean, this kid. Uh, Boone that was out there had like 120 something yards rushing before halftime because he had uh, over 100 yards on two carries in the first half uh, against the Bears this was a defense that hadn't allowed a run over 30 yards all season long we gave up two 40 plus yard plays in the first half alone against this team with second string guys and a third string running back out there running the football I mean it was that's what was kind of even more uh, frustrating about it was that we were struggling to hold the lead against a team that wasn't trying to win the game and I mean it, it, <laughs> that was what was kind of a slap in the face to all of this and then the second half would mark even more frustration um, because we'd come out in the second half uh, just like we always do uh, a trend that started with the Charger game uh, with us opening up the, the second half, we got the football, starting it off, running the football, pounding it down Minnesota's throats, bullying the Vikings and putting it into the end zone. Only don't blink or you might miss it when the, Gares, when the Bears played football because, God forbid, if Maggie, Matt Nagy stuck with something that actually worked for a change. <laughs> Knee-jerk reaction, third quarter, Bears and Vikings. And true to form, uh, especially for the second half of the year. The Bears take the opening drive of the third quarter and literally pound it down Minnesota's throats. We ran, it was a, a nine-play drive that featured eight runs. I think seven of them went to David Montgomery, who had 57, 57, 54 yards rushing on the drive and capped it off with a 14-yard run. That was a lot of fun because it was about a seven-yard run that got seven yards of assistance from about two or three offensive linemen that continued to push the pile until Montgomery crossed the goal line. The Bears go up 18-6. to And then, once again, the frustration comes in. The defense is playing fine. I don't really have any complaints there. But the Bears get the ball back on offense. And rather than stick with the power eye formation i mean the the bears literally bullied the vikings on that drive to start the second half that ended in a touchdown literally bullied the ball just ran it right down ran it right down their throats between the tackles just straight up none of this zone blocking nonsense just straight up man on a man eye formation boom and it worked like a worked like a charm then of course we come back on the next drive we're throwing the ball 
anytime that we run it's the it's the single back formation no help in the backfield uh, or anything like that and we just had a drive that um we had the it was like second and two or something like that we ran the ball three straight times no fullback in the backfield we got stuffed on three runs mitch caps it off with a uh, getting stuffed on a quarterback sneak attempt on fourth down and we ended up being short and give the ball back to minnesota so Nagy and his paranoia in call in play calling failed the bears once again because the bears succeeded with the i formation on the opening drive therefore the defense would be looking for it so it's not likely to succeed on the next drive so there's Nagy's reasoning for why the bears probably won't run the i formation again for the rest of it but we're 15 minutes away it's 18 to 6 and uh the bears might actually get a 500 record out of this thing foolishly optimistic of me to actually sound optimistic at the end of the third quarter i mean how many third quarter knee-jerk reactions were like hey we're actually playing some football out here only to have the fourth quarter start with and just when you thought it was safe to hope reality sets in because almost immediately at the start of the fourth quarter the vikings scored a touchdown to make it 18 to 13 and then their defense really started going off and it was like again it was the goddamn chargers game all over again mitch is turning got strip sacked and you know, the Vikings took that in for another touchdown to take the lead, 19-18. to 18, And just like, good God, this is going to happen again, isn't it? And then, of course, we drive the football down the field. And with little to no time left, 10 seconds left on the clock, it's on Eddie Pinero to kick a game-winning uh, field goal. The good news is he actually did it this time. It wasn't 41 yards I think it was only like a 30, 30 something yard kick or what was it? It was a 26 yard kick, excuse me, 26 yards. So it's a chip shot, even shorter than what an NFL extra point is these days. He puts it through the uprights. Uh, the Vikings, uh, I think, only had like three or four seconds left to play with. Couldn't do anything with that. And the Bears survive with a victory uh, 21 to 19. But again second stringers teeing off on our offense teeing off on our offensive line sacking our quarterback the offense is doing nothing to help itself and but going into the fourth quarter we got mitch who god bless him for everything that he does wrong the guy really can step up when he needs to he can be clutch and clutch is what he was and it led the bears to their eighth and final victory of the season Knee-jerk reaction, fourth quarter, Bears-Vikings, and uh, they won. They, as in we, the Bears, won the game 21-19. to It uh, didn't look good there for a while. The uh, Vikings had six points coming into it, scored a touchdown right at the top of the fourth quarter, then added a couple of field goals. The Bears turned the football over. All of a sudden, we can't pass block, and Mitch is under constant uh, pressure. Um, but in the end, a big play on fourth and nine. The Bears go for it. Mitch hits Riley Ridley for 32 yards on a first down, extends the drive that ends with an Eddie Pinero field goal to take the lead 21-19 to with about 10 seconds left in the game. Uh, Eddie Jackson intercepts the Hail Mary on the last play of the season to secure the Bears win 21 to 19 and uh we finished the year 500 sweep the Vikings in a meaningless game and uh at least it wasn't a quote-unquote losing season although there isn't a Bear fan on the planet that feels like a winner right now so that's it for 2019 the Bears I want to say hang on because that's pretty much what happened this game was always theirs for the taking and they almost lost to a second string team uh today but we pulled it out to take the victory 21 to 19 so again uh, another victory that the bears have one that we as bear fans kind of walk away with this this aftertaste this sour taste in our mouths because there were more things wrong with the victory than there were right like we were on the right side of it we got the win 
Um, you know, Mitch led the game-winning drive and put Eddie Pinero in a position to kick the field goal, and Eddie put it through the uprights this time, unlike the uh, the, the 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 Charger game. I wanted to say San Diego. I really did. Uh, wanted to, you know, go through the uprights unlike the, it did against the, the Chargers uh, at the beginning of the second half of the season there. And, you know, it just it worked out. But, again, we're playing their JV squad, guys that aren't going to see the field when they play the Saints on Saturday or Sunday. Sunday, They play the Saints on Sunday. Um, number one, I think the Saints are going to murder the Vikings, quite frankly. But uh, it's, no one wants to go to the, to the, to the, to the Superdome. That's, that's not going to be good for them. But, um, you know, nobody who's going to play any significant snaps on Sunday played this past Sunday. That's, that's just facts. And we struggled mightily and almost lost the damn game uh, against them, which, which says a hell of a lot more about us than it does against uh, the Vikings. You know, it just it was a, you know, a preseason game for the Vikings or a warm-up game or whatever, an evaluation game for them. And for us, it was trying to get to 500, you know, close out the season on a high note, have a little pride and blah, blah, blah. And we went out and embarrassed ourselves, quite frankly to struggle the way that we did against the the Vikings B team and um you know barely hang on uh for a win against that team it's 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 sad is what it is and um I saw a tweet earlier today somebody ranked the 8 wins uh for the season and the biggest win was week 4 against Minnesota which I would agree with and the weakest win or the the least popular or like he did a power ranking was this one against the Vikings. And I absolutely agree with that uh, as well because of the situation. Granted, we were on the road and we were kind of shorthanded. We lost Cordell Patterson. Anthony Miller went down uh, with an injury and we were shorthanded on on offensive side to begin with with the people that we were missing and, and what have you. But Vikings were just there because they had to be. They were legally obligated to play the game. Uh, the Bears, on the other hand, showed up with something to play for and almost didn't get it. And I think that's kind of what it's been about. And what's been the underlying theme is that when we've been lucky enough to come away with the win, there's always been some kind of caveat where you don't feel good about it. And there were so few wins this season that we could actually hang our hats on. That first Minnesota win, the win on Thursday against the Cowboys, uh, maybe the Washington win just because the defense was so dominant uh, in that game and Mitch had the three touchdowns in the second quarter. It was a better-looking victory against a very lousy football team, but that's what it's supposed to look like when you play a bad football team. You're supposed to kick the piss out of them, and we did. But, you know, after that, the the Broncos game, which I would argue we should have lost, we should have won the Charger game, we should have held on against the Raiders, we should have been a 10-6 and team with something significant to play for this past Sunday instead of just trying to hang on and, uh, you know, see what kind of draft pick we ended up with, win or lose. Um, I'll talk about all that stuff, 2020 opponents, uh, coaching changes, all the rest of that stuff will be in uh, the year in review episode. I just wanted to focus on this game and my thoughts and uh, feelings about it this time uh, around. So, um, but anyway, that's it you know we 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 hung on we we won this game against the team that wasn't trying to win they were just simply playing out the string uh 21 to 19 over the vikings gives us a sweep over them uh naggy four and two in the division this year for a nine and three overall record in the nfc north so far by far better than anything else that uh fox or um tressman did uh in their time in chicago so we're it's 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 good, but we got half our wins in the division, and then we struggled to to beat anybody else, and it was uh, and struggled to beat the team we really needed to beat this year, which was Green Bay. Um, yeah. So anyway, that's gonna do it for the week seventeen uh, review. Uh, what do you say we go ahead and move on uh, to close things out? Final thoughts: bear up and bear down.
final thoughts, bear up and bear down for the Week 17 review. And, you know, it was just frustrating watching the offense struggle while the defense, for the most part, did its job. But that's basically been the burden of the fan base all season long. It sucked even more that they struggled the way they did because there was no one of any significance playing for the Vikings on Sunday. They struggled against second and third string guys, guys that won't see the field when they're playing a meaningful game this coming Sunday against New Orleans. And, you know, Nagy continues to confound with his play calling. He had great success with the power run at the top of the second half. I mean, listen to this. First and 10 at the 25, 14 yards uh, run from Montgomery. Uh, first and 10 at the 39, 10-yard 10 run for Montgomery. First and 10 at the 49, 6 yards for Montgomery. Then the next run, another 6 yards for Montgomery. Uh, the next play, 7 yards for Montgomery. You guys seeing a theme here? Good God, man. And then we just mixed it up with Ryan Nall, who got 7 yards on one play, and then it got another yard after that. Uh, Mitch threw a 10-yard pass to Riley Ridley. And then first and 10 from the Minnesota 14, Montgomery and a host of other Bears uh, push their way into the end zone for the one and only touchdown uh, of the game. And we never ran that formation again. We never ran those series of plays again. And you heard me mention in the knee-jerk reaction that it's, it's, it's annoying because you, 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 you always got the sense that Nagy was always trying to trick the defense instead of trying to beat the defense. You know, like he was always trying to catch them with their pants down. Like, well, if we've had success with this, then they'll be looking for it, so we should do this instead. Like, you know, we were doing all that stupid RPO garbage in the first half. Let's go with the power run to start the second half and see how that works. Well, David Montgomery, that plays right into his hands. None of this silly zone blocking. It's man on a man. You block that guy. I got that guy. And all of a sudden, he's got lanes to run in. He's got, he got half the yardage that he ran for on Sunday in one drive. He got 50-plus yards rushing in the one drive, finished with 113 on the day. Had a fantastic afternoon, okay? So he did have success throughout the ball game uh, running the ball, but he did not have it like he did in that one drive where basically all the best plays he made on Sunday uh, were, were punched into one drive because we were running the formation that he's best suited for. And then Nagy switches it up. And we don't have another ounce of offensive success until the game is on the line. And Mitch is running the two-minute drill to try to set us up. That is, we, we sandwiched our offense. Our scoring drives were our, our first drive of the second half and our last drive of the second half. Everything else in the middle was garbage. It was ineptitude and turnovers is what it was. And it almost cost us the game against the JV squad uh, for the Minnesota Vikings. And that's what made, that's what made me crazy that paranoid way of of thinking i mean it's just i mean it it is another it's a theme it, it just basically it mirrored the san diego game except god damn it the charger game except we actually won this one because if you guys remember i blew my lid listening to maggie uh, i want to keep calling him maggie matt Nagy at the press conference after the game when the reporters asked him we kicked the ball on second down why not run another play because the Bears had a timeout. Why not run another play, pass the ball, throw the ball, something like that? And his answer was, well, if we run the ball, they'll be expecting us to run, and then we'll lose yardage. And if we throw the ball, we can get sacked or throw an interception. And then another reporter asked him, "Is like, well, doesn't that kind of show a, 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 lack of, uh, a lack of faith or a lack of trust in your offense to think that way? And Nagy's like, no, I don't think so. It's like, yeah, it kind of does. When you think that the only thing that can happen is something negative, you don't think that if we ran the ball with David Montgomery again, he might break it for a touchdown and just flat out win the game for us. You think he's going to fumble the ball. Or you think the offensive line's not going to block and we're going to get stuffed. Or you think the offensive line is going to piss it down their leg and get Mitch sacked and knock us out of field goal range. Or you think Mitch is going to make a mistake and throw an interception. 
I didn't hear any uh, possibilities like, oh, they might mess around and leave Allen Robinson wide open in the corner of the end zone for a touchdown, or they're looking for Allen Robinson and here's um, Anthony Miller wide open uh, in the corner or something like that. Like, that could also happen. But, uh, you know, and the, the, the field could also be struck by lightning, dude. What the hell are you talking about? But, no, no, it doesn't show lack of faith. We just wanted to kick the field goal. We felt good about kicking the field goal. And then there was the whole controversy about where the ball was supposed to be placed and blah, blah, blah. It was a mess. And it just, the, the whole game looked like that. We had all of that success in running with the power formation uh, at the start of the second half. It got us our one and only touchdown uh, of the ball game. And we struggled for the rest of the way and damn near gave the game away like we did against the Chargers. Only, you know, the football gods smiled upon us and made the field goal much shorter, and Eddie put it through the uprights for us. So it just really – I really thought it was going to be a Chargers game all over again. And, you know, there's kind of an, an argument amongst the fan base about, well, at least the season ended on a positive – you know, on the field goal actually going through, on a made field goal. And, and some people are arguing, like, I think it would have been more apt if he'd missed it and we lose the game because we missed another field goal or something like that. It's like, no thanks. <laughs> I'm, I'm pissed enough about how the season went just to, you know, let alone throw another missed field goal and losing the football game because of it on top of it. It's like, I'll, I'll pass on that. Thanks, though. But um, like I said, positive, uh, positive, positives in the game. Allen Robinson. He needed 11 catches to get 100 for the season. He caught nine, fell just short uh, at 98. David Montgomery needed 224 yards to get to 1,000. Like, I knew that wasn't going to happen. But he got half of that, 113, or a little over half, 113 yards uh, and a touchdown. So he played extremely well and uh, forced those two turnovers and the safety so the defense contributed uh, when Eddie Jackson finished uh, with an, with an interception, even though it wasn't a pick six, he didn't score at all this year, so that's unfortunate. But we came away with the win, for better or for worse, um, and we didn't let it get away from us this time. Uh, it's just the fact that we struggled the way that we did against the the JV squad of the Vikings. It's just it's not a good look uh, for the team, a, a black eye as far as I'm concerned. Anyway, let's go ahead and get this thing closed out. Uh, bear up and bear down. Uh, let's do the bear downs. Uh, Mitch Trubisky, uh, for the most part, he was terrible. Give the guy credit. He did lead another scoring drive. Made a fantastic throw on the run to Riley Ridley on fourth and nine. It's the big play that set up the the game winner. Just the, yeah, everything else in between. Just uh, Just wasn't happy with him. Uh, the offensive line bear down to the offensive line, mostly for pos- uh, mostly for the pass blocking. Uh, we're eaten alive by second and third stringers throughout the football game, not just at the end like the 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 Vikings starters were last year with our second stringers. No, and then bear down to Matt Nagy. I don't think that I th- here's the thing. I think Matt Nagy is an outstanding. I think he's an outstanding coach because it's. He never lost the locker room despite all the struggles that we have or we've never gotten any inkling that there was any kind of rift in the locker room or any unsettledness uh, going on there. I think Nagy is a good head coach. He is a leader of men. He's in the spot that he's supposed to be in. He needs to hand off the play calling to someone else, let them worry about that so he can coach the team. You know, or coaches, coaches, coach the team, that's what head coaches do. And, you know, not everybody's meant to be that head coach or slash play caller. Clearly, I think Nagy is struggling with that, needs to hand that off to someone else so he can just coach the football team. And Because I think he'd be excellent at that if that's what he focused on. I think he'd be fantastic because I do think he's a leader of men. I do think the players are with him. I do think he's a heavy recruiting tool. Like he's bringing guys there for the culture that he's creating. Uh, in Chicago I just don't think he should be the play caller uh, anymore he confounded with his play calling right up until the very end uh, of the season it was just nuts now back onto the positive side bear ups for this ball game Uh, bear up to David Montgomery 113 yards rushing uh, and a touchdown 
uh, an outstanding performance uh, from him. Allen Robinson, uh, nine catches. Didn't have much in yardage. I think he only had like 71 yards, but uh, the guy has been the lone bright spot week in and week out, and the fact that he didn't make the Pro Bowl is disgusting. Uh, and and granted, like you know, I think I saw a tweet or something like that online saying, um, you know, well Robinson and his stats, he would be like 14th in this, ninth in that, seventh in this, and it's like, yeah, but you also have to kind of take into consideration, the Bears run the 29th ranked offense in the NFL or the 30th ranked offense with the 29th ranked passing game in the NFL, and this guy is putting up. 90 something 98 catches for 1200 yards and this many touchdowns uh and everything like that it's like despite the the way the offense has struggled he's been the most reliable guy on that offense despite it all when we couldn't run the football at all when we had to throw the football it's him that mitch was looking for him that mitch was connecting with and it's just like he couldn't connect with anyone else i made jokes about it all throughout the season that maybe they should all be wearing number 12 because then uh, Mitch always seemed to throw the nice, accurate ball for for Robinson. But when it's Anthony Miller or Taylor Gabriel or anybody else, he'd sail it over their head, throw it behind them, throw it at their feet uh, or something like that. It's a really, really funny video. I've seen it a few times. It's two kids um, playing in like a backyard and they're pretending to be different quarterbacks in the NFL. Uh, with Tom Brady, the guy just throws an accurate pass about 10 yards. And then the next one was Patrick Mahomes. Boom, he throws a deep ball uh, and everything like that. <laughs> and it's like the third one is Mitch Trubisky. The kid drops back to throw. <laughs> and his buddy's like kind of running down the middle of the field. And he rifles it off to the left in another zip code from where the receiver is. And, you know, as awful as that is, that's freaking hilarious at the same time because how accurate is that that a guy could be wide open and Mitch would just miss him by a mile you know every single time so it's hilarious if you ever see it you know it's pretty good but um yeah so that was funny but uh Robinson has been that guy week in and week out despite our struggles whether we scored touchdowns or whatever Robinson was always that guy and uh uh, bear up to him for almost getting 100 catches on the season yesterday. On the defensive side, bear up to our linebackers. Nick Witkowski, uh was just everywhere yesterday. Uh, was the Johnny on the spot for stuffing the running back in the end zone for the safety. Uh, Kevin Pierre-Lewis also all over the place. And Johnny on the spot yesterday uh, for that interception. Uh, you know, like the running backs tried to turn and run before he'd fully caught the ball. And like I said, when he tried to bring it up into his chest, he kind of tossed it up into the air right into the arms of Kevin Pierre-Lewis. So he made his place. And then finally, bear up to Eddie Pinero. Four for four uh, in his field goal attempts yesterday. Made the game winner. Uh, hit his one extra point. So 13 of those points yesterday uh, belong to uh, Eddie. So he ends the season uh, on a positive note. And he can carry that into the offseason season where he will, I would definitely think that he's going to be our kicker again in 2020, and I have no problem with that. He was 23 of 28 uh, on the season, and um, I think he did well. I think he grew uh, throughout the year, and um, uh, I hope to see him grow with us, man. I, th- I really think that he's got the, the attitude. He's kind of got a swag about him, and I think that uh, he'll, he'll, he'll do well uh, in Chicago. So anyway... That is going to do it for the Week 17 review episode of the Bears Talk Underground. Uh, Keep your eyes on social media at BTU underscore Larry on Twitter and on Instagram. I barely use Instagram, so don't really look for many uh, updates there. And you can always join the Facebook group. Just search Bears Talk Underground uh, on Facebook. Join the discussion. Talk some trash, uh, whatever you want. But keep your eyes on the social media to find out when the year in review episode uh, is going to be I would predict sometime early next week Monday Tuesday something like that so um, keep an eye out for the year in review and until then my name is Larry D and this has been Bear Stalk Underground
The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate, how a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word, Broomgate. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 